Well, good day. I'm Mark Sylvester, Ambassador of 805 Connect, and your host for this 805 Conversation, where we talk to fascinating people you'll want to know better. Our show is sponsored by California Lutheran University's School of Management and Tolman and & Weicker Insurance Services. Thanks to them both for their continued support and encouragement. And thanks to our podcasting partner, Pullstring Press. I, gotta, I just love working in this studio. Uh, today's guest is Sam Bockstein. Is that Bockstein. Bockstein. Mm-hmm. There we go. And with Holt House, Carlin, and Van... Trite. There you go. Yep. I knew that was a tricky one. It's a mouthful. In fact, we've recently rebranded. Um, people will start to see now if you go on our website or... or um, poke around in other places, even our business cards and so forth. It's HCVT now. A lot easier so to say. HCVT. HCVT. I love that. And what does HCVT do? HCVT is a full-service accounting firm. Um, somewhat old school. By that I mean, you know, we, we do a lot of the nuts and bolts accounting work, audits, tax, uh, some business management, um, even uh, some M&A work. What we don't do is some of the um, ancillary stuff that some some of the larger firms do, such as IT um, and software um, installations and integrations. We don't do that kind of stuff. We do have folks that we work with, um, other firms, other specialists that do that. Valuation services, that's something else that some of the firms are offering now. Um, they've got mm. folks that are just mm. kind of specialists in that area. What we do at HCVT is just we, we do we focus on the areas that we're really good at. Um, we've got uh, some very technical people that are just very good in the areas of tax, um, which would include um, international taxation. We have mm, a group mm, that just focuses mm. on international tax for those uh, companies that are, are looking to um, you know expand overseas and, and open subsidiaries in other countries. Um, we've got folks that specialize in state and local taxes. So if there's issues that companies might have around multi-state returns or um, other types of multi-state tax issues, we can address those. Um, and then, you know, anything from estate planning to corporate tax planning, all those types of, um, you know, uh, just sort of nuts and bolts um, tax type issues, that's, that's uh, where we really shine and then also on the uh, on the assurance side, we do audits. Assurance. Assurance. So, assurance is an area of. Uh, oh, that's a new new word for me in this context. <laughs> and it's a little confusing too, because um, it it encompasses some things you might expect and and not others. But typically, what assurance, um, just for the layperson, what assurance covers is. is financial statement audits, reviews, and compilations. There are three different levels of. Um, uh, assurance that uh, that can be provided on financial statements, and and usually when that comes into play would be where you've got a company who has a bank, a lender, some sort of credit facility, a loan, something like that. Maybe some private equity investors, mm-hmm. and you know they come in and they say we want to work with you, we want to loan you some money, um, give you a line of credit, something of that nature, or maybe even you know buy into some equity. But as a condition, one thing we want is for you guys to provide us with audited financials or reviewed financials. We want to be assured. Exactly. So, Got it. Right, right. Got it. So that, so assurances, you said there were, there were three things, and they are? Audit. Right. 
an audit is the highest level of assurance. Sure. We're actually going in and, and really drilling down into the company's books and testing, looking at transactions and, and um, really making sure that, um, you know, what those numbers say are really represented by, you know, the support and, and um, actual, um, you know, transactions that existed. So we're able to go in and, and just make sure that uh, those numbers are what they say they are. A review is a little bit different. It's less assurance. It's limited assurance. So we don't necessarily go in and we don't we don't test transactions, but we do primarily analytical procedures. So we're doing a lot of comparing, um, you know, numbers and in, in, in relationships and and with an understanding of that company's business model. You know, we're we're just really looking at looking at things from an analytical perspective to make sure that okay, these numbers make sense. They they seem to conform to generally accepted accounting principles and we'll talk to management sure. we'll talk to the accounting and finance group to kind of understand what their accounting policies are and, and make sure that they're preparing their financial statements in accordance with generally accepted accounting principles i i'm curious at what stage of a business because i want i want to get into startups and 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 that because there's a huge as you know a huge, huge. startup economy yep. now throughout the region and 805 connect of which uh you guys are sponsors and we appreciate that so thank you we appreciate that a lot thank you um at what point should i as the ceo be thinking about your services at what it, you don't come in at the very beginning or do you come at the very beginning oftentimes we do um, you too. It, it really just kind of varies on, on what the company's goals are, what they're looking to do. Um, you know, on the on the assurance side, which is where I live, um, we have a number of clients that are startup companies. They're pre-revenue. They don't even have really? revenue at this point, but they they have a pretty good idea on where they're going. Right. Um, either they've they've been in that business model before with other companies, or they're working with folks that that have laid out a plan and, and they just, they, they, they kind of have a plan. They kind of know where they're going. Um, and one of the things that, that they're, they're looking at and, and planning for is financing. Uh, and, you know, they may be trying to attract again, private equity sure, money, sure. um, things of that nature. Usually the banks don't get involved until there's, you know, a revenue stream and some profitability and things like that. But some of the private equity guys will come in and they'll want a piece of the action um, you know, they may want to buy some some common stock or something, or or, or get some um, some stock options or warrants or something of that nature. They may, they may provide a, a loan type credit facility with maybe something on the back end um, with a liquidity event in mind. Maybe five ten years down the road, they want to um, have a piece of that, so they might have some some stock warrants or something they might get. But in the pre revenue stage. Um, situations like that, you know, a lot of tech companies are in that boat. Right, they'll right. come to us and they'll say, you know, we're just getting this thing off the ground. We want to, you know, start getting our financials audited, you know, pretty much from the get-go because we've got these folks that are interested in, in coming in and, and um, you know, helping us finance this thing. So we need to start thinking about that. And so we'll come in and start working with them on, on getting getting ready for an audit. As opposed to when I get to that due diligence phase, having to go back and say, oh, oh we should have been doing this. We should have exactly. been doing that. Exactly. Right? right, right. And that happens too. And, um, you know, that that's always a, a, a situation that we can help the client with. Um, it happens quite often. Um, a lot of small 
you know, privately held companies that aren't really too savvy. They're just, they're entrepreneurs. They're in, in the right. moment. They're building their business. And then all of a sudden, yeah. you know, they meet some folks and that's, you know, tell them, hey, I know somebody that, that you know, says that now's the time or, you know, it start, starts to get them thinking I should sell my business and things move along quickly. And next thing they know, they've got several people coming in, you know, looking at the business and kicking the tires and they ask, have you guys had any audits done? Well, no, we haven't. Well, we can go in and, you know, we can go back, uh, you know, two, three years and, and, and do audits. It's obviously more difficult, which mm-hmm. means it's more expensive to do right. it that way. Right. So, you know, we definitely like the folks that come in early and start thinking about those things early um, so that we can help help them get positioned for those types of events. Is I, I know you just completely redid the website and put a ton of information up there. Is there uh, information there for that? startup person who's thinking, okay, I'll put this on my list. I've got to go figure that out. Do you have resources there or is it better that they come in and talk to you in person? I mean, the web place is a great place to start. Mm-hmm. Um, our new website is is excellent. Carol Carlisle, who um, is our marketing director, um, was, was instrumental in putting that together. And, you know, she knows how to, to look at things from um, – from the, the client's perspective right. as opposed to, right. you know, all of us bean counters that, that, that don't always, <laughs> you know, know how to, how to look at it from, from that perspective. And she did a really nice job. And, and I, I think there, there's some great resources on the website for, for folks who really haven't had anybody come in like auditors, you know, t- to kick the tires or talk about financial statement audits or generally accepted accounting principles, any of those things. There's, there's some great resources on the website for somebody to go in and look and kind of get an idea and a feel for what that looks like and what we can do for them. And at that point, you know, uh, there's there's phone numbers and email addresses for, for, you for know, everybody. For everybody. Sure. And so they can reach out and and we're always, you know, willing to, you know, meet up with somebody and, and talk to them more about, about those issues. Well, I, I love that because you guys are really involved in the community. Why... When I hear the word audit in my business, do I feel like the lights just went on behind me with a cop car on the freeway yeah. and I've got to pull over? What, why do we have such a negative association? Well, I think there's two reasons. The primary, the primary reason, really, the, the overriding reason is audit suggests that there's somebody that's coming in and looking at your finances um, with a critical eye and looking for mistakes, things that you've mm. done wrong, um, and that, and you know, those those things of which ultimately are going to get you into some sort of trouble. Hmm. You know, people also think of IRS when they think audit too. Yeah, the IRS two, audit. If yeah. you if you say you know what's the first word that comes to mind if I say audit, people, you know, a lot of people are going to say IRS. Hmm. Um, and that's one of the challenges for for us audit folks too when we're telling people what we do. If we say we're a CPA, they automatically think we're tax. You know, we're we're, we're tax people. And that's oh. not necessarily true. Oh, the CPAs, okay. there's, you know, it's it's similar to law or medicine. Um, you know, there's a lot of different practices, um, a lot of different things that 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 folks do. Um, it's not necessarily tax. Um, so when I say I'm an auditor, people immediately think, oh, well, again, they're thinking tax. They're thinking I'm, you know, working with the IRS or I work for the IRS or something. So a lot of times I have to explain that, you know, think think more along the lines of, you know, if you start mentioning firms with big names and, you know, companies that have gotten in trouble over the years, uh, you know, Enron sure, and sure, WorldCom and, sure. you know, that all kind of 
was was born out of some auditors that didn't do a very good job um, with those companies, and it became a very public um, display of, of what happens when audits go wrong. So, you know, you kind of have to explain to people an auditor really from 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 an accounting perspective is somebody that's interested in um, looking at a, at a company's financial statements and making sure that those financial statements are in accordance with uh, generally accepted accounting principles or some some other um, you know methodology of accounting that uh, um, somebody has asked for um, tax basis or some other basis of accounting. With the software company I had uh, here in Santa Barbara having, you know, surviving audits and it was all a result of taking other people's money and you had to give them assurance. One of the things that I learned in that that I didn't expect was that they audited all of our practices. They audited how we did invoicing, how we did, I mean, everything. Sure. They went through an audit. I didn't, that was like a news bulletin. This is 30 years ago. It was a news bulletin for me and then when then they gave us a list you know that this isn't tight or this seems a little this is good or this you know this one here is would get you in trouble if you wouldn't survive the due diligence or this potential problem tell us about that part because that that was new to me and that's part of what you do right absolutely it's required actually it's required Um, as an auditor we have to follow what's called generally accepted auditing standards and those standards require that we go in and look at your policies. We, it's all part of really what it comes down to. It's all part of risk assessment. Mm. We as auditors have to make an assessment of, of risk in the company, um, really? various types of risk. And so we need to understand your internal controls. We need to understand your accounting policies. We need to know who's doing what. We, have to under, we really need to go in and, and know what makes the company tick just from an operational standpoint on the finance and accounting side, we need to know what's going on because without knowing that, we're, 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 we're kind of auditing in the dark. We don't really know where the risk mm. is. We don't know mm. where the problems are. Um, uh, we're not required to look for fraud, but some of the things that we do are geared towards, um, you know, locating fraud if there, if there might be some, if it's significant. So again, you know, really understanding how the company operates on the accounting and finance side and understanding those, those controls, those policies helps us kind of fine tune our audit and, and um, pinpoint kind of where, where we need to be looking, you know, where there mm-hmm. might be some, you know, some, some bugs under the rocks or something so we know where to go. And so that, that really helps us focus on, on those areas. So as an entrepreneur since I was 12 and a, a guy who's – I'm just thinking about product, people, passion, profits. I'm not thinking about policies. How do you and, – and I'm thinking of the person who's listening to this right now might be, a, you know, got a startup in Conejo Valley or they're up in Slow. How do you have that conversation with them to tell them how important this is yet not – kind of freak them out. Right. You know, it is an educational process. And even some, some of the larger companies that have been around for a while don't always have a good grasp on, on, on those things. And so, you know, it, it's, it, it's an eye-opener when uh, an auditor comes in and starts to talk to them about controls and policies. And, you know, really, the idea is to, to, to show them how it's really a, a benefit for them. Huh. Um, it, 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 it protects them. It protects their assets, it protects their business. 
Um, and, and it also gives them some, some, some comfort that in the future, should there be some sort of transaction or liquidity event or something, which most privately held businesses, um, that's generally what they're looking toward um, at some sure. point in the future. Sure. It may, may not be imminent, but, um, you know, if they're thinking about retirement, you know, they, they know that at some point they're probably going to be talking to somebody about selling a book of business or selling a, a company or something like that. So understanding that a company that has controls and policies and things in place that are that are working and operating effectively that's something that's going to be important to somebody who might come in to kick the tires and look at the company and um, either invest or, or or buy the company. So, you know, it really helps a business owner in their, their current state in terms of protecting them um, in their business. And it also is, is something that is good to have and, and make sure is, is, is uh, you know, in place and, and working so that sometime down the road um, – you know, when 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 it's most needed, it's already done. It's already there. It's already in place. So um, it, it's really important to kind of give the business owner that perspective and let them understand that it, it's it's not about constricting, you know, what you're doing or making the work environment more difficult or, or anything like it that. It feels like that sometimes when, when you've got a CFO. And they're, you know, they're, you know, and a controller and those are, and there's all the kinds of jokes and, and all of that for a reason. I mean, that's hard to get past those folks. And they're, they're the one inside the company who's paying attention to this, to you, right? Is that your touch point into the company as the CFO? Generally speaking, that's, that's our touch point. If, unless it's a small company where it's very, you know, in an entrepreneurial, almost a startup situation where they really don't have a finance group at this point. Right. You've got somebody in there who's just wearing a lot of hats and, you know, they're running to the bank and making deposits and then they're they're coming back and answering the phone and taking orders from customers and they're, you know, they're, they're doing a lot of things. Um, you know, yeah, we're usually working with the CFO, but if it's if it's a smaller company or a startup, pre-revenue, something like that, and they just have a, a bookkeeper, for example, right. that's their part-time, we can work with those folks and we can start, you know, we can help them start to implement as, as, as things progress, as the company gets larger and things are start getting added onto the company um, as, as it's growing, we can help them hmm. at, at the appropriate time kind of implement those those things. I want to come back to this, I, I, the education and what are the benefits of having policy, the benefits of having control, because we're benefit-driven. It's like, okay, why am I doing that? What's the return on my interest in this thing? I get the planning for an exit strategy because the, isn't it interesting when you're starting a business, the first question you get asked or in the first three is what's the exit? Mm -hmm. Hey, I haven't even built it yet. And you want to know what my exit is. So we talked about that, but you said it, it protects the business owner, protects them. What is it? Give me some examples of what having these policies would protect me from. The classic example would be, um, you know, in the in what we call the cash cycle or the revenue cycle of the business, okay. uh, you don't want to have the same person um, that gets the mail and opens up the envelopes and pulls the checks out. You don't want that same person um, making the bank deposits. Huh? Things can go wrong quickly in that in that scenario. Huh. You want you want one person that gets the mail, opens the envelopes, pulls out the checks, and makes a list of those checks, photocopies them, and then then you know 
from there takes takes the list and the checks to somebody else that endorses those mm, over mm, mm. and puts it into the system and then yet a third person that would then take take those checks down to the bank and, and deposit those checks. Um, that's a classic situation and, and it's you know cash is something that um, you know unfortunately it's 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 very easy in a, a, in a small business environment where controls aren't really a top of mind. Um, it's it's very easy for for bad things to happen, and you know, unfortunately, as an auditor, I've seen it happen too many times. And believe it or not, uh, oftentimes it's somebody that's been with the company for twenty five years yeah, and is like part of the stories, family. Right. Yeah, yeah, it happens, and um, it's it's it. Nobody likes to see that, but um, you know, it usually starts out. It's it's a very minor, um, if you want to call it minor. Um, type of situation where somebody is just short on their rent or something like that and you know they know that they're doing something wrong um and probably hate themselves for doing it but they say you know i don't really have any choice and they they make a poor decision well once that's been done it from that point on it becomes easier and easier and it it gets Mm -hmm. out of control and that's Mm -hmm. you know usually if you listen to the stories you hear in the news about um, frauds that have been perpetrated, that, that's almost always the way it happens. It starts out with something really small, and then it just snowballs. And so, you know, having controls around around uh, uh, cash, it's just something real simple like that right. is, is going to protect the owner of the business. Got it. That So that makes sense. Thanks for that. We um, I had a different question that just hit me. Uh, in Ventura County, financial services accounts for, I mean, it's one of the largest industries in Ventura County, as opposed to Santa Barbara, not San Luis Obispo, not. Why do you think that is? Do you have a sense of that? I, I, I'm trying to figure it out. It's just a desirable place to live. Um, okay. You, you know, it, it's, um, I think Ventura County has become a region that, uh, you know, pe- people want to live. It's expensive. You know, it's expensive to live in Ventura County and in a lot of the regions out here. Um, that's also one of the reasons why it's attractive because it's, it's um, you know, it, it, it's still at that stage where, um, you know, not everybody can afford to live out here. Um, and so, you know, when you have people, you know, uh, people at the, at the at the higher end of the, the wealth scale that are that are living out here, you start to see certain types of industries that follow suit. You know, there's there's a lot of... Okay, so there you go. Got it. Yeah, I mean, you'll see a lot of BMW and Mercedes dealerships, for example. <laughs> we, we now have a, a Bentley dealership no. right in the middle of uh, Thousand Oaks. So, you know, you, money tends to a follow Bentley money. Bentley dealership. Yeah, yeah. Bentley Rolls-Royce is now in Thousand Oaks. And Santa Barbara just put in a Tesla dealership. Yeah. And that, so, okay. So, th- well, that, that makes sense. I would like to talk a little bit about, you know, with with 805 Connect, our job is to connect the public sector and the private sector and education and and kind of get businesses talking to one another. And there was just a meeting, was I think it's called 805 Startups. And it was at uh, the uh, California Lutherans uh, School of Business, their center right there in Westlake. And there were over 225 people there, kind of Everybody looked and said, okay, there's, there's something really going on here. Mm-hmm. How is that impacting your business? What's your, how are you guys working with that? It, it's interesting. Um, it used to be that, that a lot of the startup, particularly in the tech 
industry was, you know, a lot of that activity was happening on the other side of the hill, Santa Monica, right. West L.A. Right. Um, and we had a, a number of clients. We have a, a bit of a niche industry group of folks that does a lot of, that do a lot of tech hmm. uh, companies. And, you know, a lot of that business was coming from over the hill. And like you said, I mean, just recently it's been fairly a rapid rise in Ventura County and the Tri-Counties where you see, you know, like the hot house up in Slow. Oh, yeah. Which was, you know, came out of Cal Poly and, yep. and Huddle Campus out yep. of Cal Lou and, and uh, Thousand Oaks. These these things are, are – these incubators are popping up. We have seven left now. It's, yeah, it's amazing. It's incredible. Um, there's a lot of activity and – you know, again, it kind of goes back to what we were talking about earlier. A lot of these companies, they're really not, they're they're really not thinking so much about audited financials at right, this right. point. Right, right. No, exactly. They really, a lot of folks don't think that's really necessary in, until till after you know they start generating an income stream. But there are also some sophisticated folks out there that kind of they're sort of serial entrepreneurs right, that do right. this. They they they'll start a company and they'll get it up on its feet, get it running, get some revenues going, establish a customer base, and three years later they Boom, they out. sell it and make a, you know, just take a ton of money off the table and they go on to the next one. So we're seeing a lot of that. We have a lot of clients that, that make a living out of starting and selling businesses. And um, so it's something that, that we as a firm are very interested in, you know, being a part mm, of and mm. supporting that, that, uh, that startup environment. Um, I think it's important to Ventura County and the Tri-County region, um, and and I think it's 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 a perfect um, it's a perfect environment for those folks for a lot of reasons. So I, I understand the value of this. You've done a really compelling, given us a compelling reason of why I want to have these controls. My experience when I'm talking to the service providers to and I'm we're staying startups and entrepreneurs, but there's businesses of all level here. But when I talk, I've talked to banks. I mean, I've talked to lots of service providers, and they they shy away from this market because they don't have money. I said, no, we'll we'll come and talk to you when you're doing a million dollars a year. Or we're doing five million dollars a year. They want to stay away from them. Yet you're embracing them. How do you rectify the that the fact that they don't have money yet? We, we've just been, you know, we've just, we've seen a lot of companies. We've had a lot of clients that have, have hit some pretty big home runs. We, we, under, uh. we understand, particularly in this, in this region and Southern California in general, that, you know, it's, it's, um, you know, it's the world we live in now. Um, it's, it's not all about chasing down the big Fortune 500 companies. There's, there's a lot uh, to be done um, with these smaller companies and these startups uh, it, it's a it's an exciting and, and fascinating um, part of our our local economy, um, and again, like I said, we we've just we've worked with a number of these folks that have been able to really do some some really neat things and and grow businesses and turn them into viable uh, viable companies that um, you know become household names at some point, and uh, you know it, it may only be two or three out of 10 that, that take it to that level. But, um, that's a good bet. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, the banks, you kind of hit it on the head. The the banks don't generally want to talk to these folks. Um, unless it's somebody starting it up. That's, uh, 
you know, an Elon Musk or something like that that can put his weight behind it and, right. and basically right. guarantee anything. But those folks aren't usually going to banks for money either. Um, not at that level. If you don't need money, there's all kinds of money. <laughs> right. Exactly right. So so what, you, what we do find is, is a lot of um, venture capital, private equity, and there's, there's a number of firms, uh, believe it or not, locally in the Tri-Counties now, um, private equity groups which is not a surprise given the right, right. the uh, the incubator environment we just talked yep. about but um, those are the folks that want to talk to those people and and uh, they know other folks that mm-hmm. are mm-hmm. very uh, very interested in helping startup companies angel investors and so forth that you know they're able to kind of come in and, and look at what what people are doing and, and decide whether or not they think that there's there's something viable um, to put their their weight behind, and um, so those are the folks that want to talk to the startup companies. And there's you know exactly there's a lot of those a lot of those guys out here. So you come in. I I think uh, I wrote earlier the word forensic accounting, and I think of um, you go in and look, and you're you got your Sherlock hat on, and you've got the um, you know commonly accepted pra- practices, and you know what to look for, and you know where the flags are. So. Is it fair to say you know what success looks like? Uh, sure. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So then from that, I would think that when a young business comes into you and, and you're talking to that CEO, you're do you do any of that interviewing? Uh, I mean, do you get involved in that, uh, the business development of it? You're interviewing a new client? You know, I... I I think from just a, a practical standpoint and wanting to understand what the business is all about and what they're doing and what their goals are, what their challenges are, I think that's important from, from our perspective. Um, you know, a lot of that is probably not necessary, certainly not required from, from our standpoint. But, you know, we like to think of ourselves as a you know trusted business advisor for our right, clients. Right, that's where so, I was going with that. Yeah, so we want to know what's going on. We want to know what's your goal, what's your, you know, what are your goals, what are your challenges, um, how do you plan to get from A to B, and how can we help you, even if it's something that maybe isn't accounting related, we have a ton of resources, we know a lot of folks, mm, mm. and we can certainly help them by, you know, um, giving them names to folks that could, could help them on, you know, certain things that they're working on. So the, a question I like is um, someone has come in and, and, and spent a half an hour with you and you know, you're just trying to figure out, do you want to work with them? Because you're interviewing them as much as they're interviewing you. Yep. What's the question that they don't ask you that they should? I think, you know, whether it's a an established company that's been, you know, been to the rodeo before. It's yep. a new company that that's never had an audit done. I think one one of the there's a couple of things actually that uh, a potential client should should be thinking about and asking their uh, potential accounting firm. And you, one of those things is is um what what does the audit engagement team look like or the tax engagement team and and. Is there consistency from year to year? Am I going to be working with the same team? What's the firm's approach to that? Um, or am I going to be, you know, talking to somebody different each year or each time that? Um, so they don't ask that. They don't even consider general, that. No, there there are some that have just reached a point 
where they're so frustrated with their existing firm. Mm-hmm. You know, they, that mm-hmm. may be one of the reasons why they're they're out looking is they're 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 kind of tired of having to um, you know retrain um, a team of accountants each year because you know you have a a number of uh, maybe a team of three or four accounts that go in to do the audit and then the next year rolls around and it's it's a different team and. Um, I've worked in private industry, so I've been on the other side of the table, oh. and I I know what, what did that, you do? Uh, I was a controller at a uh-huh. publicly traded company out oh, here, great. and um, so I know what that feels like. Yeah, yeah. And um, I understand those frustrations, and a lot you know a lot a lot of times that's one of the big factors and that, that causes a company to go looking um, for for a new firm because they 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 want to have the same folks day in day out year in year out they want to have the same team somebody that understands their business and you know you, you're not going to get to understand the business overnight right, um, it might right. it might take a year and so just about the time that the team's understanding the client's business that's not when you want them to roll off and bring in a new team that now doesn't understand your business so understanding that as a you're a partner mm-hmm. so understanding that how is HCVT different in that regard than other firms in terms of team stability across multiple years right it's 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 one of our you know one of our our biggest selling points as a firm is is that's that's one of our mantras really is that uh you're going to see the same faces talk to the same people year in and year out um you know there's certain things we look at when we're staffing an engagement for the first time but once that team is set up um you're going to you're unless something out of the ordinary happens you're going to have the same folks in and out and uh, one of the one of the cool things about our firm as well is that, that historically our, our turnover has been extremely low, um, and so from that perspective, it's not a problem for us to have the same people on the engagement year in and year out. You know, they our people tend to stick with us and stay with us and like their clients, and so it's always going to be the same team. And you're actually a pretty big firm. We are. We are. A lot of people don't realize how big we are. We've got nine offices now. Wow. Um, when I started. Ten years ago, we had three offices, hmm. um, probably 175 employees. Um, I think there was probably 21 partners, um, maybe even a little bit less than that. But now we've got nine offices, including an office in Texas and an office in Utah. Really? We've got uh, you know probably 450 employees, 38 partners. Um, we, we're growing like a weed, as they say, and and. Um, it's been an exciting ride for yeah, sure, it's, it's and that's fun, organic right? growth. That's not acquiring really? other firms. That's ah. that's just um, you know taking care of our taking care of our clients, taking care of our people, mm. and um, you know that's that's what happens when you take care of. of so I'm going to think that one of the selling points then. So I love that team stability because that's the that's a big deal. That you have a network of expertise, so you may not have direct experience with it. Well, they're probably gonna. You're probably gonna build an engagement team that's got direct experience in whatever sector, if it's biotech or bioag or manufacturing or tech or whatever that thing is. And if a problem comes up during that engagement, chances are you've got expertise somewhere in your network. Absolutely. That can help. Sure. Sure. Right. Um, you know, just to give you an example, if uh, we have a client that's that's acquired a business, hmm. um, there's some very complicated accounting rules when you acquire a company. Um, and 
one of the things that generally needs to be done in that, that type of scenario is, is there needs to be a valuation of the business that gets acquired. Right. A formal right. valuation, not one of these sort of back-of-the-napkin, you know, multiple of EBITDA kind of things. There needs to be some formal um, valuation work done. And we work with a number of valuation specialists, and that's all they do. Mm, and so, mm. you know, if, if we've got a, a company, uh, you know, in the, in the ag business that, that purchases a, um, you know, a farm or something like that, right. we know folks that, that don't do anything but valuation in the ag business and can come in and do a, do a good valuation. So um, we can definitely, you know, reach into our toolbox and, and um, you know, put our, our clients in contact with all different sorts of specialists that can help them in various areas that, that might pop up that, that aren't necessarily an issue of accounting or tax. What are the, we talked about when we talked about the unasked questions, the one was, uh, you know, they don't talk about team stability. What's another thing that's important for them to know that they may not think to ask? I think another important thing is, is <clears throat> what, what is the accessibility of the, the manager and partner group? Hmm. Um, is that a problem typically? Uh, it, it tends to be a problem um, in the larger firms. Okay. Um, you know, in the smaller firms, you tend to have uh, uh, folks that, that kind of wear a lot of hats. They might do – they're less specialized in smaller firms. So you might have folks that do both tax and audit mm. and bookkeeping, you know, maybe a multitude of things. And it might be somebody all the way at the manager level that does these things. And so, um, you know, it's a little bit of a different sort of scenario. But when you start getting into more technical firms like ours, middle to large size firms – People become more specialized, mm-hmm. um, more technical, and as that happens, what, what generally occurs is that the clients lose touch and FaceTime with people at, at mm-hmm. the manager and the partner level. Um, and there's 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 generally you know reasons for that, but what we've tried to do at HCVT, and I think we do a really good job of it, is um, we make sure that that that's not the case we our partners really appreciate the relationships that we have with our clients we like to be um you know privy to everything that's going on we are proactive we want to talk to those to to our our clients you know before the end of the year not just after the end of the year right we like to you know get updates throughout the year and and you know it's it's not just at the the staff or senior level it's managers and partners that are generally doing um, these, these, uh, um, you know, having this contact with the client and clients appreciate that, you know, it tends to be something that's important to them. And so, um, that's, that's what we give them. So is it fair to say it's, it, it's not about that, the transaction doing the audit, but it's about building a relationship. It's all about the relationship. I mean, at the end of the day, that's really that's really what it is. It's it's the relationship, and um, we tend to keep our clients for a very long time. Oh, uh, and that's you know that that's key, and you know the, the relationship is is important. It's 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 you know really what drives the business, and again, you know we want to be the trusted advisor to our clients, and so you need to always be listening to what's going on, not just sort of getting involved when it's tax time mm-hmm. or getting involved when it's time to start the audit. You know, it, it, it's really about being involved in the business overall, you know, and in, in, in that way that, you know, 
we can help our clients if there's if they're struggling in a, in some area. And again, it, if it's not tax or, or audit accounting related, we have a very large Rolodex. All of our partners and managers well, are, are very very well connected, and and we pride ourselves on being able to you know help our clients by putting them in touch with people that you know can really help them get things done when they start running into into the wall, so to speak. I do a lot of, um, in, in the business, my software company, a lot of consulting. And I heard recently that um, the consultant is not as much hired for their expertise as they are for their network. Mm. And I hadn't, hadn't really hit me how important that is. So that I'm just echoing that importance that you have, that network, that Rolodex, that having. How, how, how long has the firm been around? So you guys have been around for Since a while. Since 91. Yeah, so you've been, you've been in the region for a long time. We have, and been. where did it start? It started. Uh, our first office was in West LA. Yeah. Um, uh, Phil Holthouse, Jim Carlin, John Vantrite were the founding partners. They, they, they all came from from big firm backgrounds and mm. decided that, uh, you know, th- they really wanted to create something uh, different in terms of an accounting firm. Um, again, kind of going back to that. Well, we just talked about how the larger firms, you, you the clients generally don't really have a lot of contact with the right, partner. Right. Um, John, Jim, and Phil wanted to create a firm where that wasn't the case. We wanted to be. We've been referred to as a little big four firm, and and, mm. and, and, and basically what that means is we're very very technical and specialized, yet we're very relationship oriented. You said technical three times now. And so when I think of numbers and, and accounting, I, I think of math. I don't think of the word technical. When you say that, there's a lot behind that. So what do you mean by technical firm? By technical, I mean we're specialized. So in a smaller firm, you'll have people that, as I said earlier, wear a lot of hats. You right, might, and, right. and, I, and I've been in that environment myself in my early days you know, where you, you might do audits and tax work and, and all different types of tax mm, work. Mm. And, you know, the tax code is Crazy. pretty big these days. Yeah. Um, it's And I can tell you that um, generally accepted accounting principles is, is is not much different. It's 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 so voluminous. There's there and the changes in in the accounting rules um, are, are incredible. It changes every day. I mean, I think I think the 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 accounting standards today are probably double in size what they were when I became a CPA really? 20 years ago, um, and and they're always changing on top of that. So there's so much there in terms of rules and code, um, uh, things that can get you into trouble. And when you have somebody that that's trying to do it all, it's it's hard uh, to be it's hard to be it. technical. You can kind of be a you know jack of all trades, but you know master of none type of thing. Whereas in our firm, the philosophy is to do what we're really good at. Um, we have people that are just auditors that just work on nonprofit organizations. We have mm. people that are auditors mm. that just work on affordable housing or real estate type clients. We have tax people that um, are just, you know, they, they really focus on estate planning, for example. So when I say we're a technical firm, what I mean by that is because we're specialized, the people that are working in their respective area are they are masters of that area. So it really uh, it speaks to expertise. Exactly. Correct. Got it. Correct. 
Um, so again, just to kind of, you know, kind of just jump back real quick on, on on Phil and and John and Jim's vision was was to have a firm that had that expertise, um, mm. that technical expertise, and at the same time have the relationship with the client as well, and and be able to do both. And um, I think that's been kind of the secret sauce of our firm, um, what's made us successful, and why we've you know we've we've more than doubled in size. Wow! Uh, just in the last ten years, so I think that's that's uh, it's it's worked very well for us. So we don't we don't think of that relationship with you as a vendor, but more of a partner. That's what we want to be is is the partner. We want to be a partner to our client and the trusted advisor. Um, not just the auditor, not just you know right. the the tax return preparer. We look at it in a much broader sense. Uh, I I really appreciate that, and I I appreciate that you guys being a partner with Eight Hundred Five Connect, and all of this this information is great. I think it's going to be good for us to help promote this show out to the entrepreneurs who are not thinking about these things or hadn't. I, I that's what's great about the long form conversation is we can. We can ask that, and I'm sure there'll be questions that come up uh, as a result of someone listening to this. How do they get a hold of um, you, and how do they get hold of the firm? Again, our website has has phone numbers and emails for everybody. What's if, the website exactly? Uh, www.hcvt.com. That's pretty easy to remember. And depending on you know what your you know what what sort of issue that you're looking at, if you're interested in an uh, you know an international tax issue, if you got questions about opening a subsidiary in the Philippines, and what you know what what are the tax ramifications or something like that. You can. It's our website is very user friendly. Oh, you great! Really easily be able to find um, our our tax guy that specializes in that, and be able to just click on his email address and reach right out to him. So thank you for that. One of the things that we do at the end of the conversation, because at the beginning I don't know where we're going to go. I have some ideas of where we're going to go, but we covered a bunch of areas that I didn't know about, and I've been doing business a long time. But this was helpful. Thank you. We get to put a title on this because someone's looking at that long list of episodes. This I, we want this one to pop out. What what do you think the title of this episode is? Well, that's a great question. That's why I saved that one for the last. <laughs> oh boy. Um, I'm 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 thinking in terms of the, you know, the trusted advisor um, mantra, you know, because I think what's important is that people understand, you know, we're not just an accounting firm, you know, we're, we're, we want to be your trusted advisor so we can do a lot more than just help you with your accounting. Um, I think there's a title in there. I think so too, and I'm yeah, trying yeah. to trying to find it. We'll, uh, we'll figure it out. You okay. give me you give, you give me some. Uh, you're not the marketing guy. Accounts so. aren't creative. Let me let, let me just uh, remind you of that. <laughs> well, now there's uh, on that. Um, I study improv, and uh, we've got the CFO for a tech company here in town. He's one of the funniest guys on in the troupe. I mean, he's crazy funny, and it wasn't only until a couple of months ago. Uh, they're a part that company's partner, and I'm in there talking to the C- CEO, and he comes walking up. So what are you doing here? So I'm CFO. What? Because <laughs> it completely abolished all my what I thought a CFO is. But at work, he is that guy. 
but funny. in the evening he's uh, the funny man so thank you very very much for joining us and uh i i know your new website just launched and and carol took a break because she's like giving yeah. birth yeah right? yeah it was uh it, it was a it was a process for and sure. A new logo and all yep. that stuff. It was and a lot of things kind of wrapped into one. So it was a it was a big a big job. But uh, she did a great job. The website looks great. Well, good um, luck with that. Thank you, thank you, and, and thanks and, for having me out. Yeah, Any yeah. excuse to come to Santa Barbara on a Friday? <laughs> uh, well, there's great tacos everywhere in town. So I want to thank um, I want Sam. Thank you so much again for coming up. We really appreciate it. And I want to thank, again, California Lutheran University School of Management and Tolman and & Weicker Insurance Services and our podcasting partner, Pull String Press. This is a great place to record, right? I love this little, little cave we it's got awesome. here. And to Cielo24, who provides the searchable captions for our show. The 805 Connect Project is supported by partners and sponsors throughout the region. We want to thank them as well. More information on our partners at 805connect.com. Specifically, you can help us in this show as we're growing, uh, got a lot of momentum, and it comes from you telling a friend, giving us a review and ranking on iTunes or Stitcher or whatever podcatcher you're using. We read every single one of them. We thank you so much for that. We love, uh, we love how the show is being received. I would love to hear from you personally. So if you don't want to put something out publicly, send me an email to Mark at 805connect.com. Let me know what you liked about the show. Tell me if you learned something. And if you have some ideas of people we should talk to or things you would like us to focus on, we listen to those as well. So until next time, this is Mark Sylvester, your host for 805 Conversations.